Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. What you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that it's head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hey there. Welcome to a brand new week. A beautiful one. It is supposed to be gorgeous outside right now. Weather got uh, nicer just in time for Garth Brooks Saturday at Notre Dame Stadium. Mother's Day weekend. Mother's Day yesterday, of course. And belated happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Hope you had a good one. We're uh, on the clock for Father's Day now. Yep, that's right. About five or so weeks away, but uh, happy Mother's Day nonetheless. Not an overly eventful sports weekend, I guess. Big picture. You know, I have tried to watch the USFL and uh, just, you know, it ain't happening. But, uh, you know, the Kentucky Derby. uh, How about Rich Strike? I mean, you you struck it rich if you had some cash down on Rich Strike to win Saturday, right? 80 to 1 underdog. Just added to the race a few days before the Derby and then comes from the back of the pack to win it. And man, I mean, that horse was just flat out moving. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Um I don't know how many times I've watched the replay. The overhead shot of, of the moves the horse and that jockey made, just kind of bobbing and weaving and bob, but, you know, sort of biting its time, you know, weaving through traffic and then just blew by the final two horses at the end after it got to the outside. And, you know, I'll just be honest. I'm sitting there. I'm enjoying my beverage. I'm watching that race. And, you know, seeing that horse that wasn't supposed to be in the race, right, you know, just go full throttle past all those other horses. And I mean, it was from the, you know, from the time they pick it up, you know, again, on that video that I've, that I've seen where they show it from the overhead, he was third from last and just goes full throttle moving past everybody. And my first thought was he's on something. (laughs) I mean, it's not like there haven't been any derby controversies recently. Just ask Bob Baffert, right? But, you know, that horse was like Ben Johnson pulling away from Carl Lewis at the Olympics. Those other horses might have just as well have turned their heads and been looking at uh, Rich Strike pulling past him, just like Carl Lewis was doing at Ben Johnson. And we all know what happened with Ben Johnson. Well, I guess most of us do. If you don't... <clears throat> He tested positive for steroids. You know, maybe it was, you know, you know, that bad temperament. He was he was getting feisty afterwards as well. So I'm not accusing him of anything, but that's that's the first thing that crossed my mind. 
horse that's not even supposed to be in the race, blows past everybody. And I mean, if they would have gone another lap, he probably would have lapped the field the way that thing was moving. So good. Congratulations. All that. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll find out. Everybody thought that Bob Baffert's horse again, you know, was, was clean a couple of years ago, but well, we all know what Marcus Freeman's top priority has been since taking over as a Notre Dame football uh, coach five months ago. And if you need a quick refresher, here it is. Recruiting never stops. That's the first thing. Recruiting, 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 right? Today's recruiting. Tomorrow's recruiting. Every day we have to recruit. Yeah, recruiting never stops. Freeman and the Irish landed another big commitment over the weekend. Six foot five, 270-pound uh, defensive lineman Devin Houston made the announcement Saturday. His He is a consensus four-star recruit right now. All 12 of Notre Dame's commits in this class, they're either four- or five-star players, according to Rivals and the 24-7 uh, composite rankings. Now you've got four defensive line commits in this class. They're all ranked in the top 200, according to uh, 24-7. And Houston is the younger brother of Michigan basketball player Caleb Houston, as well, and he's the fourth defensive lineman in Notre Dame's number one uh, 2023 class. The other guys, of course, Keon Keeley and Brennan Vernon, the first two uh, from the class defensive linemen who committed Keeley from Florida, Brennan Vernon from Ohio, and then Bubakar Treor, who committed, what, I guess uh, just about two weeks ago, week and a half, something like that at this point, the other defensive lineman. So he is the fourth defensive lineman. Eight of the 12 commits Notre Dame now has for the 2023 class defensive players as well. And, you know, so they they, they keep stacking it up. They keep getting these defensive linemen. They keep uh, reeling in the uh, defensive players in this vaunted class, still ranked number one in the country. And Marcus Freeman just keeps going after it. And we'll have a little bit more with Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com coming up at 5.30 today. We'll talk uh, with him about um, – this uh, latest young stud, Devin Houston, and of course, tomorrow as well, we'll have more Notre Dame football recruiting on the show. Uh, some controversy in the men's lacrosse NCAA tournament selections last night, and Notre Dame is at the center of it. Namely, a lot of people saying Notre Dame got snubbed. Just about everybody except the selection committee <laughs> saying Notre Dame got snubbed. They were left out of the 18-team field. And the Irish won the ACC this season. They finished with a six-game winning streak, an 8-4 and four record after they beat Duke Saturday. It was their second win over Duke, traditional power in the world of men's lacrosse. Duke was also left out of the field, though. So, you know, so it was, it was uh, not what anyone expected. It, it felt like going into the Saturday game at Arlotta Stadium the winner of Notre Dame, and it felt like an elimination game. Like the winner was probably going to get in, the loser would probably be left out. And, you know, the Irish were ranked in the top ten in the national polls going into the weekend. None of it mattered, though, be, you know, when the NCAA field was announced yesterday. And now I'm not going to claim to be a lacrosse expert, you know, so I kind of stand back. I'm trying to look at this objectively, look at the numbers, who got in, all this different stuff. The first thing that catches my eye Okay, they were 8-4, and four, Notre Dame was. So you go, okay, 8-4. and four. You know, one, not a lot of games, only 12 games, obviously. But then you go, who did they lose to? When did they lose to them, right? So they lost three in a row 
at one stretch early in the season. Three in a row and four out of five in a stretch early in the season. They lost to Georgetown, they lost to Maryland, and they lost to Ohio State in late February and early March. And then they beat Michigan, but then they followed that up with a loss to Virginia. So, you know, and and then they didn't lose the rest of the season. Again, they finished the season on a six-game winning streak. They lost four out of five at at one point. Losses to Georgetown, Maryland, Ohio State, Virginia. And then they didn't lose again the rest of the season. But those four teams, Georgetown, Maryland, Ohio State, Virginia, all made the NCAA tournament field. And in fact, Maryland's the number one overall seed, undefeated in the regular season. Georgetown's the number two overall seed, one loss on the season. So those are two of the four teams that Notre Dame lost to. Number one overall, unbeaten Maryland, and uh, number two overall, one loss Georgetown. So not only not bad losses, but losses to four teams that made the field, number one and number two overall seeds, whose combined record is 29-1, and one, Maryland and Georgetown. That's who Notre Dame lost to this year. So here's some of the national reaction from the people who cover the sport. This is from Roddy Jones from ESPN and the ACC Network. He tweeted, quote, forget college football playoff expansion we now need college lacrosse tournament expansion what just happened to nd is ridiculous end quote another one from anish shroff from espn quote i hope we have a great tournament i really do but nd lacrosse legitimately had a chance to dogpile on memorial day to have a room of people make a collective decision and say nah they don't belong is gross negligent you've undermined the integrity of of the entire format, end quote. And again, that is from Anish Shroff from ESPN. So a couple guys working for ESPN who cover the sport. You know, you see others. Golick Jr. out there, he had a a video (laughs) basically screaming at everybody. You would expect that. But, you know, Duke had the number 7 RPI in the nation. They also got left out. Notre Dame beat Duke twice, including Saturday, comeback win, Saturday, they had the number 11 RPI is what they finished with. And while Harvard had a worse RPI and strength of schedule than both Notre Dame and Duke, Harvard got in. They had a worse strength of schedule and RPI than both Notre Dame and Duke, and they got in. Uh, so now, again, another guy who who writes, who, who covers the sport, Patrick Stevens for USA Lacrosse Magazine. Uh, he interviewed Selection Committee Chair Donna Woodruff, And here is what Donna Woodruff, the selection chair, said about the selection process. Quote, at the end of the day, really what we ended up with was we were comparing significant wins, meeting the top 20 significant losses. And then if we had to and it kept going, we were still debating head to head. The truth of the matter right away with Duke, when we were looking at significant wins and significant losses, yep, they had significant wins. But at the end of the day, we could not overlook from the significant losses standpoint, that they had three losses outside of the top 20. There were no other at-large teams that came even close to that. So they were a quick choice after we looked through all that with everybody. Notre Dame, unfortunately for them, while they had three significant wins, none of them were over teams that are in the tournament, where others did have that. Ohio State had the Harvard win. Obviously, Brown has Penn, Yale, Cornell, etc. Head-to-head, Notre Dame lost to Ohio State in UVA, end quote. So, again, that, again, is from Donna Woodruff, the chair of the 
Men's Lacrosse Selection Committee. So you listen to that explanation, and you kind of look at some of the numbers. Duke the first was the first team that was removed from the last group of at-large teams. And it in turn, that hurts the Irish because Duke was out of that picture. So their rationale was Notre Dame had no wins against anyone in the tournament field. The Irish also hurt by the fact that the ACC did away with its tournament last year, so they didn't have that automatic bid coming, and they ultimately play fewer games than most teams, which gives them fewer chances to make a statement. So basically, if Duke had beaten Notre Dame, they very well might have made the tournament. But if Notre, but Notre Dame beating Duke for a second time wasn't good enough for them to make it in. So very unfortunate. Uh, you know, again, this is a team that in the, in the media poll ranked in the top 10. RPI ranked 11th in the nation, but not good enough to make the tournament. And, and again, it almost it almost hurt them more. It's it's just weird, you know, because again, Duke has their tradition. They were ranked even higher in the RPI at seventh, but they had some bad bad losses, and those were essentially came down to it. Some of Notre Dame's best wins. They beat Duke twice this year. Flip side though. Uh, Notre Dame women's lacrosse made the NCAA tournament field. They're in for the 15th time, despite the fact that they've got a 500 record. They're 9-9, nine and nine, but there are 29 teams in the women's lacrosse field compared to just 18 in the men's field, but there are also only 73 Division I men's lacrosse teams while there are 118 women's programs, hence proportionally the larger field. Just unfortunate for the men, uh, snubbed. From the men's lacrosse field, good luck to the women's lacrosse team. They'll play Michigan Friday in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, the host, Northwestern, is going to play Central Michigan, so then the winners of those games will play. Obviously, the winners will keep moving on. Uh, Notre Dame softball also at the ACC tournament later this week. That will be in Pittsburgh. They will play their first game Thursday, and they will face Clemson in the first round. So good luck to them uh garth brooks saturday night back at notre dame stadium packed the house obviously much better weather this time around wasn't quite you know not quite as warm then as it is today but still a lot better than it was a couple days before that with all the rain and everything else but i just i had to do a double take when it's it's been three and a half years since the first garth brooks concert october 2018 was the first time he was here i didn't realize it had been that long but I guess, you know, when the world shuts down for a pandemic for several months, it kind of skews your perspective of time being locked up at home for a while. I mean, I worked from home for uh, what was it, 16 months or something like that before uh, we finally came back into the building. It'll be a year for us uh, next month that, uh, you know, that we finally got back in our buildings. But, um, you know, Garth. Same kind of stage, middle of the field, out there, didn't go. Not a country music fan. He's got a couple songs I'll listen to, Friends in Low Places, call him Baton Rouge and all that. And I actually saw a sports website that wrote about the fact that they were shocked that Garth sang Colin Baton Rouge at Notre Dame Stadium just because of the whole Brian Kelly to LSU thing. I just, who cares? It's a song. It's one of his most famous songs. You think he's not going to sing it? At, at Notre Dame Stadium just because Brian, I mean nobody's nobody up here is upset that Brian Kelly is gone it doesn't matter you know 
Everyone's more than happy with Marcus Freeman. So call Baton Rouge or whatever you want. But Gar's been here twice now. Uh, again, three and a half years, pandemic mixed in. He's the only act who's played Notre Dame Stadium since they started doing this concert thing because George Strait's been canceled a couple of times. You know, Billy Joel is next up. That's coming up next month. But I guess my question, who's next? The bigger question, who's big enough to fill a place like Notre Dame Stadium? I'll be curious to see how that Billy Joel show ultimately does because the stage configuration there, I've seen the map. He's not going to have the stage in the middle of the field like Garth did. Billy Joel's stage is going to be in one of the end zones rather than the middle of the field. So, that, you know, they're, they're just by design. There's going to be some empty seats, you know, kind of back behind the stage and all that. But what's, what's an act that's big enough to fill Notre Dame Stadium and also suitable for Notre Dame, right? Because there's, uh, there are a lot of acts, I think, that could fill the place, you know, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, that that's what they're looking for. Foo Fighters could, you know, but they, you know, that's kind of a obviously very unfortunate situation after the death of their drummer, Taylor Hawkins, but I think Foo Fighters could. But again, it's like if you've ever been to a Foo Fighters show, um, I don't know, you know, that just because of the language, you know, those kind of things, I, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what parameters they're, you know, they're, they're looking at. I would imagine some of that stuff has to figure, you know, and factor in. But, you know, Notre Dame Stadium is a lot different than Wrigley Field. They started doing their concerts a few years back, but you're talking about more than double the size. So who can fill Notre Dame Stadium? Garth has done it a couple of times, even once in the crappy weather three and a half years ago. Uh, you know, again, they got Billy Joel coming in. Taylor Swift is a name that comes up a lot. Her brother went to Notre Dame, and she is obviously immensely popular. You know, that would seem to make a lot of sense. Ed Sheeran, you know, I don't know if he could by himself, but, you know, like if it was like Ed and Taylor, I don't know what the relationship is there because, you know, it's like you <laughs> tick off Taylor Swift and she's writing a song about you and, you know, she's making money off it. But I don't know. I don't know, like, who Taylor's going to join, you know, who, who she could – you know, sort of join forces with, you know, a couple of big names, you know, that 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 she's not going to get ticked off at, ultimately. Lady Gaga, that seems like someone who could fill it, uh, you know, would be immensely popular as well. You two, you know, again, like, we're, we're, we're talking about different demographics. Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, Lady Gaga, Billy Joel, Garth Brooks, George Strait. You know, we're talking, you know, at, at, at the end of uh, – Different, uh, different um, parameters there. Um, U2 would make a lot of sense. It's been about 20 years since they played the Joyce Center. I think that would be a great show. They would fill it. Bruce Springsteen's supposed to go on tour again next year. That would make a lot of sense. And again, Springsteen would fill Notre Dame Stadium. I have no doubt about that. Bon Jovi, he's got the natural connection as well to Notre Dame. That would make a lot of sense. His voice has been pretty rough in recent years, though. You know, I don't know, you know, what exactly how how that would go. I'm I'm just surprised though that that after you know, kind of kicking off this concert thing, you know, again, pandemic shut things down for a while and cancer canceled George Strait a couple of different times. But I'm surprised that Bon Jovi hasn't sort of uh, risen to the top because again, that is one that would you know just pack 
the place and, and a, the natural connection with his sons going here and, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, there are others who I think could and would work, but again, it's like I don't know exactly what Notre Dame's looking for. You know, Pearl Jam, you know, that might be kind of right on that cutoff, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons, but I could see that as a, as a possibility, you know, like Dave Matthews band. I don't, I don't know. Never been like a Dave Matthews. He's one of those, you know, you kind of got to be, uh, you know, a Dave Matthews head, you know, to really be into that. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Um, would like to see, you know, some others kind of uh, different genres, you know, beyond, you know, cause again, we had a couple country acts, added and then you've got an old man billy joel who's got some you know classic songs and all that but again it's like talking about a high-end demographic there uh we're going to take a time out when we come back we'll talk some notre dame football and other big picture uh college football stuff with brian driscoll from irishbreakdown.com budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by budweiser the king of beers locally distributed by united beverage company of south bend sports fans this buds for you Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim. Serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com is next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on a beautiful Monday with the ultra-talented Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful, Sean. How are you? Good. Did you did you go to Garth Saturday by any chance? I did not, no. Yeah. You're no. Is it mostly like you're like not a country fan like like me? Like <laughs> not really a country fan and I'm yeah. not a concert fan either. Okay. Uh, I have, as you know, from the typing, I have, um, very sensitive to sounds. Oh. So, uh, yeah. So concerts usually, uh, they, I could deal with them when I was younger, but now it's That's like, right. Okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. Mr. Driscoll is, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not, I guess as ultra sensitive <laughs> as you are, but there it's, you know, it's like when I'm at home, mm-hmm. for example, you know, like I, I do most of my work, you know, I come to the studio, do the show, but I do most of my prep work and all that stuff at home. And I've become, you know, so accustomed to, to doing that now. It's There's obviously a, a certain noise level. And then when my wife is in the house just doing <laughs> simple things and I'm trying to do any work, it's like, I can't, I can't concentrate yeah. now. Yeah. My <laughs> yeah. wife bought me these really cool Bose headphones that I oh, wear nice. whenever she's doing Very something nice. above me. Cause I can't like multiple sounds at once will drive me nuts. Yeah, exactly. So if she's watching TV upstairs and I'm trying to work. It's yeah. So, but those things are a lifesaver. Yeah. They're great at drowning out sound, but I know that's not what, uh, what you wanted to talk to me about today. <laughs> no, no. Somehow, but I appreciate the concern and care. <laughs> somehow, yeah, I guess it started with the Garth concert. That's right. Well, you know, Notre Dame, uh, same day as the Garth concert, got a, another commitment over the weekend, and I, we'll talk more in-depth recruiting tomorrow with Ryan uh, Roberts uh, from irishbreakdown.com. But uh, just some of your initial thoughts on this, uh, you know, just another – Highly touted, defense, you know, talented defensive uh, lineman that, that the Irish add to this class. 
It really is impressive what they're doing on the defensive line, and it's so important as well. But you talk about Devin Houston being the fourth defensive lineman to choose the school, ranked number 192 overall. He's by far the lowest-ranked defensive lineman of the four, which speaks volumes to how good it is that a kid that's in the top 200 is no your kidding. fourth highest-ranked defensive lineman in the class. You know, the thing that makes it important, though, Sean, is it's not just that it's another defensive lineman, right? Like, you can get four defensive linemen, but if they all only play two positions, then you're you're, you're not having the impact that, that, you know, you need to have. What I like about this group so far is that they can play together. And the one thing the class was missing was a guy that, you know, there are guys that can maybe play nose, but Devin Houston in the Notre Dame defense really fits at nose. He can play three technique as well. He's an athletic kid. Plays actually on the edge in high school, but he's 6'5", he's 275. He's 275 mainly because he plays basketball, which runs in his family's DNA. Yeah. And once he stops playing basketball, he's going to put on 15, 20 pounds easy. He's really disruptive. He fits really well into what Notre Dame wants, that nose guard position. So it not only do they add a really talented player, but they fill a big need, in my opinion, in this class by getting a, a really talented, disruptive, thick, strong, potential nose guard target prospect. I don't think you and I have talked about Dante Moore for a while um it's been a minute the, the quarterback from Michigan um it's it, it pretty much seems like Notre Dame and LSU are the front runners in this thing um my question to you and you know I'll just set this on a tee for you and you can go wherever you want with it what does it say to you that Brian Kelly could never get this kind of quarterback here at you know when he was at Notre Dame and now he hasn't coached you know, one down at LSU, and he just really seems to be pulling out all the stops to try to get Dante Moore down there. Well, I think what's helped him at LSU is the fact that he was actually one of the few recruits that Brian Kelly actually tried to develop a relationship while he was at Notre Dame. Okay. So it's really continuing a relationship that started when he was at Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame began – they offered Dante Moore last March, March of 2021 – and he was the guy that they pretty soon afterwards decided that's our guy, right? In a really loaded quarterback class, that's our our guy. And you know, Coach Kelly had met him and been around him, and so he'd been able to kind of, you know, get involved in it to a degree then. And you know, obviously, he was able to continue that. So, you know, I, I don't know if it says anything other than than that and the fact that LSU is, you know, from reports and different things that we've heard from different sources, as you know, they're. They're they're trying to th- you know put together some nil type of stuff Correct. for Dante that I think has certainly made it attractive. I think that's also why he's he's considering Oregon right now is another school that he's looking at. So I, I think that's really more of what it's about than anything else. And and of course he's got a, a friend of his, Cardinal Tate, is looking hard at LSU, which that's the even crazier one because Cardinal Tate had some pretty negative things to say about Brian Kelly. Hmm. in an interview with Lucky Lefty Podcast, Malik Zaire and, and Sean Davis, and then now he's looking at LSU. But, again, if you know what, what Cardinal Tate's kind of looking for, it it starts to make a little bit of sense. Interesting. But I think that's the I think that's the factor behind it. You know, and the, let's not forget, LSU just had Joe Burrow two years ago. So you can say, you know, sure. staff and all that, but, but that's because we're adults and, you know, we've been doing this a long time. We've been doing this longer than Dante Moore's been alive, right? I mean, if you're a, <laughs> if you're a 17-year-old kid and, and you meet Joe Burrow when you're on your visit, you're like, whoa you know, uh, it's going to have an impact. What do you think about, you know, you were talking about NIL, and obviously this is a factor in all of this, you know, especially where LSU and Oregon are concerned. The NCAA, now they're coming out, they're, they're going to crack down on, you know, the schools that have used it as a recruiting tool. What, what, what do you think of all this right now? 
I'm still in believe it when I see it mode. It's fine yeah. to put out a statement saying, hey, we're going to do this. But, you know, as Gene Smith said and was quoted in a Sports Illustrated article, you know, now the enforcement has to enforce. And that's always been the issue. I mean, I mean, the reality is all they're doing is adding more guidance to what already existed. I mean, the, the people talk about the transfer, transfer portal, and it's really a, a pushback against the transfer portal and the enticements that they're doing with high school kids. It's meant to, to kind of stem that tide a little bit but the reality is, is there's already rules against tampering already on the books when it comes to the that they're not order. enforcing yeah exactly and you know so what i would like to see them do is you can you can do guidelines but here's if you want to do something about it this is what they need to do right number one is you need to lay out not what the rules are because schools don't care about rules all, all that rules are basically is like okay here's what the rule is so how do we work around it mm-hmm. What you need to do is you need to lay out a penalty phase for this. Here's what happens, right? And I've talked about this you know, in an article I did recently talking about how if the NCAA was serious about fixing the transfer portal issues, when, from a tampering standpoint, they would come out with, you know, if you get caught violating this at all, if the, you know, in, in the, I, would load, I would make the bar for lowering this, you know, proving this low. There's a financial fine, which, you know, schools never like paying, get, you know, losing money. There's a loss of scholarships, and you can't bring in a transfer portal kid for an X number of years, kind of like the Major League Baseball, you know, international signing situation. You know, say, look, if you get caught tampering with a recruit that's not in the portal, you uh, lose access to being able to add transfers for three years. And then see what happens. Yeah, then no see kidding. how, you know, it'll still happen, but it's going to – because here's the deal, Sean. It's, there's always going to be rule breakers. But what you're trying to do is eliminate as many of them as possible and make them have to jump through as many hurdles as possible, which increases the odds that, A, they choose not to go after as many kids, or, B, they make a mistake and you catch them and and you deal with it. But if the penalties aren't harsh, then it won't matter. If it's just like a little slap on the wrist and it's a – like how many times have you seen a school get on on probation? Like, okay, so what's actually happening? Well, nothing. They're just on probation. Okay, what does that mean? Nothing. They're just on probation. Okay, well, then they're fine. They're not worried about it. They're going to keep doing what they're doing, and that's what's going to happen. Brian Driscoll from irishbreakdown.com. So you hit a lot of different stuff there. That The transfer portal, do, do you think with the portal, do they do they need to to limit it? Because I've, th- I've seen this floated out there. I think the Coaches Association is, is going to propose this, like limit it to a couple of windows during the season rather than keeping it open throughout the year like they're currently doing. I'm a I'm a big believer in that. Actually, you know, part of the proposal that I had last week, it, it, you know, sort of what I think they need to do, and and I, you know, I I think there's a lot of different things that they need to do, but one of them was you know, creating windows, right? And it's you know, one is shortly after the season, where you a kid can't jump in the transfer portal, you know, during the season. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't happen, right? So like one is right after the season, and it leads up until the second semester starts because these kids need to be finding homes before school starts, so they're not missing out on classes. And then the other one is, you know, don't close it on May 1st, open it on May 1st. So once these kids have gone through the spring, they kind of know where things stand. You know, because some of these kids like Notre Dame, they're getting out of the port. They're getting out of spring on April 23rd. and They got eight days to make a decision whether they're jumping the portal or not. You know, like, no, no, don't open it during the semester, close it and then open it on May 1st and leave it open for the month of May. So a lot of schools are out by May or, you know, you have time to finish your semester and then maybe take some visits in May. So yes, they need to they need to create, in my opinion, two windows that you can jump in or not, and then you can jump in during that window, and you can find a school during that window. But outside of that, 
you're, you're playing with the team you have. And, and if you transfer outside of those windows, that's fine. But you have to sit out a year. Because I think that's the biggest thing that needs to come back is the biggest deterrent to kids transferring, especially for nefarious reasons, is to bring back sitting out a year. Now, there need to be some changes with that. But you bring that back, then Jordan Addison's not going to USC. Right. He's not going to sit out a year. Right? Um, with the exception of players that graduate, I believe they need to go back, or, or kids that are in legitimate dire situations, you know, a sick mother that can be, you know, proven. Now, I, I think these young men need to, to, we need to go back to this, the sit-out rule, in my opinion, with the, unless you're a graduate. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just, the bottom line is the NCAA wants to, wants to talk about, you know, punishment and sanction, all these different things, but there just needs to, just be more consistency with everything across the board. And like you said, there, there has to be some consequences for for some of these right. actions, if anything is ever. And they have to be harsh. Yeah. That's the thing is. Some money, real consequences. Yeah. Right. Money, scholarships, like, you know, like a. Or a, suspend a coach for a game, you know, or, or games. Or, well, more than that. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, maybe make it to where like the. the but see, the, prop, the, the head coach. Right. I, I like that because then the head coach has got to. There's got to be some accountability there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, first offense, you're suspended for three games. And when you're suspended, you can't be with the team at all. Yeah. Right. And, and then, you know, second offense, you're out for six games and third offense, you're out for an entire year. Something like that. I mean, some kind of, you know, just kind of throwing it out there. But yeah, I, I never really thought about that. But. I think the best way to do it, Sean, take scholarships away and don't let them get transfers in the future because you're going to really think hard about, you know, the because the, it's like with anything. It's like the, the, the harsher the penalties, then I'm going to be real selective and targeted with who I go after, mm-hmm. right? And it's going to have to be, you know, real careful because if you get caught, you're, you're going to be in a world of hurt. And I think until the NCAA is willing to do that, like make these penalties harsh, then nothing's going to change because if it's just a little slap on the wrist and the words probation or or after, then you you know, get a show cause that actually has no teeth. <laughs> right. Then what's the reason? Why, why should we stop? You're not going to do anything to us. Right. Right. So we're going to keep doing it. You mentioned that Gene Smith in that article. I think it was in that article where he said that college football should just be run by the college football playoff, separate from the NCAA. What did you think about that? It, it it would it makes me nervous. I, I used to be five years ago. I'd have said he's in, he's a knucklehead, and there's no way that should happen. And he's talking out of his you know what. And uh, but now it's it's gotten so go- so bad that it's like you almost like almost need a commissioner, right, of college football. Mm-hmm. It, you almost need somebody that has some that's been given authority by the institutions to do you know what what needs to be done, right? And I'm getting to the point where I, I almost think that needs to happen because look, college football is kind of removed from Title IX stuff anyway. Right, because there is no females, there's no there's women's no, sport yeah. that's like football, so it's it's got some differences to it, and you know, and it's not really under the same umbrella, whatever the case may be. So I would still like it to be part of the NCAA in regards to the certain rules and aspects like that, but I, I think other aspects do you know do need to be looked at differently, and you know, perhaps having someone who is more in, over, you know, maybe it's not separating from the NCAA, but maybe put a commissioner ahead. You know, at at the front of it, that can maybe, you know, have some power and authority and that kind of thing. Maybe that's the way to go, but you just can't keep doing what you're doing, because it's clearly not working. Nor do they necessarily care that it's not working. <laughs> They're only doing this now because they've been shamed in the last couple of weeks. Because oh, absolutely, it's just getting so absurd. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. Hey, I wanted to ask you. There's some kind of stuff floating around about Jarrett Patterson, who of course was out for the spring with the pectoral injury center 
possibly moving to guard. What, what do you know about all that, and what do you think? Well, I don't. I, from what we understand, it's not something that's necessarily done deal yet. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the Irish Breakdown podcast, and it's one of those things where, you know, you got to really think when he comes back, what are you going to do? Because Zeke Carell had a f- tremendous spring, and it, you're sitting there as a staff, you say, okay, do we do we just move Zeke out to guard where he struggled last year, keep him at center where he played really well in 2020 and played well in the spring? Maybe he's more comfortable there. Do we do move Jarrett Patterson? What does that do to not having your captain as the center? What does that do to his draft stock? Does it improve it? Does it not help it? It's all about getting your your best five-man combination. And it's not your best five because it's, it's the five has to play well together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, Zeke Carell has clearly been one of our five best linemen, but is there a way we can make this alignment work to where he can be in the lineup and be as effective as he was this spring. And I think centers where he clearly seems to be most comfortable and, you know, perhaps moving Jarrett Patterson to guard would, would allow him to, to thrive at a second position. There's obviously some concerns about it because, you know, Jarrett Patterson's the leader and he's the communicator and all that stuff. And, you know, but I, it's it's definitely something from what we understand that's under strong consideration moving when he gets back. Very interesting. And that obviously has a ripple effect on some of these other guys, you know, whether right. it's Christophic or Lug or, you know, even right. the guys behind them. So, right. very interesting. It'll be interesting. Yep. All right. Brian Driscoll, irishbreakdown.com. What else is going on there right now? Lots of recruiting. Obviously, preseason polls are starting to come out. So we had something on Sporting News, had Notre Dame 7th, which I found interesting because they were uh, they were behind Michigan, which I found interesting, and, and Clemson obviously getting their, their preseason love. And I'm going to start really working on our preseason stuff here moving forward, Sean. It's kind of that time of the year where we're going to start position profiles and player profiles and breakout players and all that kind of stuff. So really going to ramp up. We've been focusing a lot on recruiting here in the next week. We're going to really start ramping up our – uh, coverage of the of the team as we get in anticipation of of this season and this team heating up all right sounds great thanks as always brian enjoy the silence or hopefully you get some silence <laughs> that you can enjoy <laughs> i will do my best all right take care thanks for having me on uh-huh brian driscoll from irishbreakdown.com with us every monday at 5 30 we'll take a time out we come back the nfl announced it's a uh, monday night football doubleheader they didn't have a doubleheader this past season This year, they're going to have it in week two of the NFL season. Tell you all about that coming up next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues. Got a Sports Center update coming up here in a few minutes. Bobby Hensley in the 6 o'clock hour with me on Rapid Fire. No South Bend Cubs tonight. Monday's their day off. They'll continue their 12-game homestand tomorrow. NFL Week 2 Monday Night Football doubleheader announced today. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, the new voices of Monday Night Football on ESPN. They were on uh, uh, Good Morning America today, and uh, they announced doubleheader. And it's going to be Week 2, September 19th. They won't do it to open the season like they've done uh, quite a bit. They didn't do a doubleheader last year because they had a playoff doubleheader or a it was like end of the season. I can't remember exactly what it was. But they moved it to the end of the season anyway. Took away that that doubleheader. But I guess they're going to start doing some more of the Monday night doubleheaders again. It'll be week two. Tennessee Titans and Buffalo Bills will be the early game at 7-15 that night. And then the Minnesota Vikings and Philadelphia Eagles at 8-30 that night. It's going to be the fifth straight year Buffalo and Tennessee have met. 
And uh, Buffalo is hosting a Monday night football game for a third straight year as well. They lost to the Patriots at home last year. But uh, the Bills had hosted just two Monday night regular season games over the previous 11 years prior to these last three straight years that they've got to host. And uh, you remember the whole thing with the Indianapolis Colts, the lack of home primetime games and all that stuff? Buffalo is, is right there. That's what happens. You start winning more. You get, uh, you know, you, you win more. You get some stars. Josh Allen, you get to host some of these games. And Monday Night Football, I think, is you're, we're going to start seeing some better matchups here over the next few years. One, they've got a better, you know, paid more money for one. And now they've got, you know, a premier broadcast crew with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman so I think we're going to start seeing uh, more of that Tennessee four and one in their last five Monday night games that goes back to the 2017 season then the other matchup mm-hmm. hmm, Minnesota Philadelphia uh, the Eagles have won four of their last five home games on Monday night football uh, the Vikings they've won two straight Monday night games both of them by the way the last two uh, that the Vikings have won at Chicago on Monday Night Football. That's kind of been the go-to the last few years, Vikings at the Bears on Monday Night Football. So uh, that's the uh, Monday Night Doubleheader, Monday, September 19th, week two of the NFL season. Tennessee-Buffalo at 7.15, Minnesota-Philly at 8.30. You would imagine it'll be – they didn't announce – Who's going to be the second Monday night crew? Buck and Aikman are the first one, and they also didn't announce what the assignments are. You would imagine that since Buffalo and Tennessee were both uh, division winners and playoff teams last year, that Buck and Aikman would get that one, but they didn't announce that. And they also, you know, we also don't know exactly who the crew is going to be. Will it be Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet? Who that's been the team that has doubled up you know, the last couple of times, but Herb Street is now part of the Thursday night um, games on Amazon as well, along with Al Michaels. So would ESPN put him in that booth still when you to have him potentially do a third game because he's doing college game day on Saturdays, he's doing the college college football primetime game, and he's doing the Thursday night NFL for Amazon. So. We'll have to wait and see on that. And then the rest of the NFL schedules will be announced this Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So looking forward to that. We'll all find out what our team's schedules look like Thursday. We're going to take a timeout. Center update is next. Bobby Hensley in the 6 o'clock hour with me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any Stanley Cup playoff game. If either team scores a goal in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use my bonus code DARIN200, darin two zero zero when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use the bonus code darin 200 D-A-R-I-N-2-0-0 to win $200 in free bets if either team scores a goal in any Stanley Cup playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years or older to wager. Indiana-only new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. 
it. Anywhere fans go to cheer on their team, there are behind-the-scenes MVPs, ensuring everything is game day ready. We see you, Joe, fixing seats so every fan can enjoy every game. And Allie, who keeps her stadium running smoothly from the moment the first game starts to the last play of the season. At Granger, you're our MVPs, and we're always here for you with supplies and solutions for every industry and 24-7 customer support. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Chances are you're jamming in your car right now. And since Liberty Mutual customizes car insurance, so you only pay for what you need, Limu and I are going to show you some safe car dance moves. Hit it. Everybody, check your blind spots real quick. Now hands on the wheel. Put them 10 in two and move your head like a bird do. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com free. That's ZipRecruiter.com free. Hey, we missed you at the game last week. Is everything all right? I, uh, just haven't been feeling like me lately. You know I'm here for you, right? That's a cut. Beautiful. Acting is one thing. Talking about suicide in real life is another. In the military, you take challenges head on. And now it's your turn to do the same for our veterans. Be there. Learn how you can start the conversation at BeThereForVeterans.com. Now, the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center. Skies will be partly cloudy tonight, remaining breezy with a low of 60. For Tuesday, we'll have a mix of clouds and sun with a high of 85. That mix of clouds and sun sticks around for Wednesday with a slight chance of a shower or storm. Very warm with a high of 86. Then on Thursday, remaining partly cloudy and still very warm for this time of year with a high of 86. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler. Celebrating 100 years of serving Michiana. This is 960 AM WSBT South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT Sports Center Update. Notre Dame football landed another verbal commitment over the weekend. Four-star defensive lineman Devin Houston, the latest commit to the 2023 class for the Irish. He's the 12th overall commit and 8th defensive commit to the number one ranked recruiting class in the nation belonging to Marcus Freeman. White Sox are on a roll. They've won six straight after Capital Weekend sweep in Boston with a 3-2 to two win. Sox will activate Yon Mankata and pitcher Joe Kelly from the injured list for tonight's series opener in Cleveland. Neither of those two has played in a game yet this season. Cubs have lost five straight after a 71 setback to the Dodgers. They'll start a series in San Diego tonight. 
Notre Dame women's lacrosse made the NCAA tournament for the 15th time in program history. They'll play Michigan Friday in Evanston, Illinois. Irishmen left out of the NCAA field despite a number 11 RPI and a big weekend win over Duke. Most of the national experts consider the Irish the biggest NCAA snub in the men's lacrosse field this year. Irish softball is the number four seed at this week's ACC tournament. They'll face Clemson in the first round Thursday in Pittsburgh. Sports Center updates brought to you by Edward Jones. Making sense of investing. Contact Eric Yetterberg in South Bend or Matt Stem in Osceola. Buckle up. Bobby Hensley's coming in next. Rapid fire in the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. You're listening to Budweiser's weekday sports beat with Sean Styers. On Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Along with Bobby Hensley. Six o'clock hour tonight. Yeah, hi. Snuck up on us. Pretty nice outside, huh? Finally. We finally made it to summer, I think. Surprised you came in here. I didn't want to. I sat in my car, (laughs) feeling the sunshine, listening to you on the radio. This what is, can be better? This is like the, uh, you know, working from home for 15 or 16 months or whatever it was. Like, the the biggest upside to that was on days like this, because I've got the, you know, the, the equipment, I could just go set out on my patio and do the show outside. I could be sitting outside right now if I was still doing the show from home. Seeing a happy Sean makes for all. good radio That's anyway. That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. Get those endorphins going. Yeah, we should we should do the show outside, you know? We should. Sit around a nice little patio, have a couple Diet Pepsis. Yeah. <laughs> good times, good yeah. times. What, what was uh, – you were at Garth Saturday night, right? Yeah. So – what was the best part of it? Like, yeah, tell me. Well, the best part I, well, of for, Garth. For one, I was surprised. I was a little, I don't know why, I was a little surprised the stadium looked like it was completely full Saturday. That was surprising. Um, I I wasn't ex- expecting that at all. Yeah. The I thought it was, we got there early, my group. We tailgated a little bit, walked over early, had no problems getting in. So I've read some of the stuff on Facebook that it sounded like, kind of a traffic nightmare around there close, oh, really? to, close to concert time and he did he did start an hour late and i wonder if that was part of it <sighs> that people were still because I, I heard a story that just drives me nuts when concerts don't start on time you yeah. know that's that's i guess that's not as bad as axel rose back in the you know the old days of guns and roses but still well, an hour late you know, and you you time your tailgating just right. Did they have did they have like the you know the cops out there directing traffic and stuff like they would on a game day or what was that like? Sure, there was, but you said the stadium was full, right? Or it looked full? It looked full from so the, the pictures on I a saw normal anyway. home game. They have eighty thousand people at a game, let's say, mm-hmm. but twenty thousand, maybe well less. Was it six thousand, five thousand? How many of the student section that don't have cars right. that aren't driving? Great point. So yeah. now everybody's That's a really driving. good point because that whole corner of the the yeah. And yeah. if you're local, Douglas was closed off, so that made it more of a pain. Mm-hmm. But there's stories of um, going from the toll road to um, Angela there that would take an hour. Oh, my gosh. And so I, I didn't have to mess with any of that. So I had a lovely experience. I thought it was great. It was lovely. Yeah, it was. Well, <laughs> if you, you plan your day well enough. get You know, yeah. I'm a very punctual person. I like getting to places early. Sure. So I got to... <laughs> that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but we did. We got there around 2.30 and we had no problems and it was a really good experience. I thought... It, 
once it started, it was nice. Uh, again, I don't like that hour wait. How I'm long not, did he play? Was it like a two-hour show? Yeah, he finished. That's another thing. He finished at, I think it was 10.45, and everybody thought he was going till 11. So, but, so not as long as you thought? He's no Bruce Springsteen is what you're saying. Oh, God. No three-hour show, three-and-a-half-hour show. I mean, he came in. You don't have to like Springsteen to appreciate the fact that they stay up there. There's no opening act, and they're up there for a minimum of three hours. They're all in their 70s, well, except for except for Jake, you know, the, yeah. the saxophone. Yeah, and he's 60, and he put on a good show. He, I think, because I think a lot of what this event was was making up for the last time he was here where it was a TV show mm-hmm. more than a concert. Yeah, how would you compare? Now, obviously, the weather was head and shoulders better than the first time. Just the show itself was it, because, like, I didn't realize how much. I guess I had heard it, but then you reminded me of it when we were talking about it last week, that because it was a TV show the first time, they would like like stop in the middle of songs and go, oh, I didn't like that. Let's redo it. That kind of thing. W- was there was it a lot better concert flow or concert feel to this one? I thought it was. It was more of what I expected the first one. I knew it was a TV show, so we'd stop maybe like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was it was so packaged. And this one, I felt like we were we were just entertained, and I enjoyed that part of it. He he put on a pretty good show, even if you didn't like Garth. I think there was a lot of people that enjoyed it, and especially in South Bend, it's a pretty cool event to be put on on a random, you know, Mother's Day Saturday night to have a Garth Brooks concert, and Trisha Yearwood was there as well. Yeah. So that was pretty cool, too. Yep. Yeah, but, she, she, didn't perf- she didn't perform at the first one, did she? No. I mean, in some of the songs he sang at the first one were covers. Like, he did John Lennon. And it was like I don't need this. I need. Yeah. I'm here for Garth. Let's let's have some Garth songs. So yeah, that's, this was that, a the TV stuff. Yeah, you but know. I just felt like this was a really good time. And like you said, the weather helped a lot, and it just seemed like a. I enjoyed it a lot, and I didn't expect to have my expectations were pretty low. Hmm. Even with I'm like okay, it'll be fun, but it, it I just enjoyed them. Didn't they have like bathroom issues and stuff like that the first time too? Do wow. I, am I remembering that right? That venue's had a couple different issues when it's come to stuff like the they yeah. had the Winter Classic. Maybe they ran, that's what it was. They ran out of stuff in the first period yeah. or first um, yeah in the first period first intermission. Yeah. The lines were forever. So I don't know. I didn't hear any of the bathroom problems. I didn't have okay. any. So so I enjoyed it. I'm I'm giving a glowing review. Okay. of, All of right. The stadium. And the show. You know that's for you to give a glowing review. That's saying something. I think. So. Yeah, I think so. I enjoyed the whole process. I. Don't go to a lot of concerts, so it was really cool to see. And Garth was Entertainer of the Year for however many years in the 90s. I mean, he's he knows what he's doing. So I think that it came off well on all angles. And some of the traffic problems, that's what do you expect. Yeah. It's all everybody leaving at once or everybody getting there. So I think it was a good – good. Uh, I'd give it 9 out of 10. Were you surprised he sang Colin Baton Rouge? I was not. I saw that was one of your questions. I don't mm-hmm. – I get, I, One of the – You've heard of this Bro Bible website? Uh-uh. You haven't heard of it? No. It's it's a sports website, but it's called brobible.com. And they were, I saw something like Sunday morning. They were surprised that Garth sang Colin Baton Rouge because of the Brian Kelly connection and all that kind of stuff. To me, it's like, what difference does it make? Nobody around here cares. You know, it's not like... Ooh, now you can't talk about Baton Rouge because Brian Kelly went to LSU or something. It's like it's one of his most famous songs, right? You you expect that's like I think Friends and Lope. Like I'm not a big Garth fan. I worked at a couple country stations back in the day, early in my career. <laughs> yeah. 
Friends in low places, Colin Baton Rouge. It's like boom, boom. You know, those Thunder Roll. And you Thunder know, Rolls. Maybe, yeah, it's yeah. like that. Th- those three, it's like you expect those to be at every concert. I don't care, you know, what the situation is. Nobody cares about Brian Kelly here. And not only that, you know, they kind of made it sound like everybody who was at the concert was a Notre Dame fan. And I don't think that that, you know. That's exactly it. How many people went to that concert that don't go to football games? Or right. The dynamic is different. It's a family or like um, husband and wife. It's not just a guy's day at the stadium watching football. Exactly. And a lot of the other people don't care. And I think, when did Brian Kelly leave? Was it late December? Early December. Early December. Yeah. Okay. So we've gotten almost a half a year since then. I know no games have been played, but can we just move on? Like, come on, who cares? And it's one of those things. It's like your ex broke up with you. Are you I'm still checking their <laughs> Facebook. Like, right. who cares? That it's one of the, his best songs. It has nothing to do with Brian yeah, Kelly. Exactly. Paul Maneri left Notre Dame to go to LSU for baseball, and that seems okay. Nobody, there's no burn bridge there. Right. Uh, it's just so fresh. I guess. I don't. I think it's ridiculous if they wouldn't have played it. I think you would have had more outrage from the Garth crowd than the football crowd that he did play it. Yeah, I think exactly. I think more people would have been upset if he hadn't sang it. Right. Then, you know, oh, we're going to cry because you sang Colin Baton Rouge. You can't do that. Yeah. Well, and he, you know, Garth's obviously more of an Irish guy. I mean, he likes Notre Dame. That's why that whole thing came together. Right. It's uh, it's funny, though, that the previous show he had before Notre Dame was at LSU. At LSU. Yeah. Very, very ironic. But, yeah, you have to play your hits. Play the hits. It's what makes you popular. It's so, what makes you your money. That's exactly right, baby. So, Billy Joel is the next one. Yeah. That's next. Are you going to that one? Haven't decided yet. Yeah. We sold our tickets, actually, over the weekend. I was going to say, $100 is pretty steep for yeah. Billy Joel. We just, it's, you know, if it would have happened two years ago, I realize there's nothing they can do about the pandemic. If it would have happened two years ago, we probably would have been there. We're just not into it at yeah. this point. So, we sold our tickets. And that stage setup is different than Garth, anyway. Exactly. It's, uh, I'm really curious, you know, because of... Just by nature, because I, I saw, I saw the stage diagram like on Ticketmaster or whatever for the for Billy Joel. And they're going to set it up the stage basically in an end zone, like mm-hmm. you know. So there's going to be some empty seats behind it. That's going to look a lot different for Billy Joel than for Garth Brooks with that stage in the middle of the field and all that. Yeah, and I almost wish they'd started with Billy Joel because now you're getting you're expecting the Garth set up atmosphere. One of the best performers of music. Maybe From I, the maybe, 90s. You know, maybe I would have liked it. I don't know. I just, I know, just don't you know, again, think so. It's like, I, you know, I know three songs. I, it's, you know. For if, Gar- oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm saying it's great. Yeah. I'm saying now to, if they charged Billy Joel, it would have been a hit. You had this. And then right. open it up to Garth for the full thing. Yeah. So you have both layouts. But it seems weird now. And then George Strait was supposed to be there. And he can't, not canceled the pandemic. And that, but, but he's that, not see, touring. That, that does even less for me. I mean, George Strait, I, re- I realize if you're. A country music fan my age, you're really into it. But George Strait's prime was literally 30 years ago. I, right. There's, there's okay. not a – I just talk about bottom of the list from my perspective. And you're talking about the boss coming and playing in his 70s and giving you three hours of music. You think he's into his prime? Yeah. Like, what What are we talking about? Hitmaker or – George Strait was, was essentially semi-retired. For a while, right? Like yeah. Springsteen, well, so is, is, yeah. Springsteen has never retired. Right. Like every three years or so, 
Him and the E Street Band are out there on tour, and you know, again, they're playing for three and a half hours a night. You know, and I'm half kidding, George Strait. You got to blow the dust off his cowboy hat to get him. Well, there might be him. a little dust in the bottle, but don't let fully about what's inside. <laughs> I think. Um, I wish I had a bell right now. That was <laughs> that was pretty good. You know, again, that takes me back to my working at a you know spinning the hits at a country station day. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I, I'm kind of half joking because George Strait really is a novelty act. Almost, you're just going to say uh-huh. you saw George Strait, whereas the boss, you, you know, he's still. More people listen to classic rock, and we get more out of that than the George Strait novelty. So who should be who should be the you know we know Billy Joel like who what are the you know because it's it's not just who they should be. I think that there are a lot of parameters for Notre Dame, right? You know, one it's Notre Dame Stadium, right. and you're talking about you know again even with a different stage configuration for Billy Joel, you're talking about probably a minimum of sixty thousand that you're talking about, as well as you know, the Notre Dame connection and who they would and wouldn't, you know, allow to play there. Who, who, who should be the next one that they, you know, cause again, you know, at this point, I don't, I don't want, I don't want country music anymore. There's probably a lot of big country acts that they could get in there, but I'd like something a little more broad, you know, that, you know, cause I'm, I'm, well, it's just what you said. I, you know, one, I am a Springsteen fan, so I, sure. I think he would fill it easily and yeah. he, there's a good chance he's going to be on concert next summer so i'd you know i i would love to see that personally but i i at the very least want something more on the rock spectrum than I've, country i feel like you're fishing here because there's an obvious answer isn't there bon jovi yeah yeah so that's got to be the first one how has that not even been that, a thing yet that's what i that's what i wanted you know like how did george Strait get scheduled before bon jovi to begin with <laughs> yeah unless they're trying to do like i i would understand because that's a wonderful venue if you want to do something once a month or something over the summer like mm-hmm. do a concert series or whatever to use that facility and it's a money maker for a place that needs money really bad yeah notre dame but you know again no, but, it's but like I, there there's there there's a there's a finite amount of acts that can fill all even, those boxes. Even sixty thousand. Well, yeah. yeah. Plus, check the other boxes. And that box to fill of sixty thousand in South Bend, Indiana, is right. a little bit different than sixty thousand in Chicago, where right. that's a fraction of nothing to them. See, but like again, here the whole town has to go. Springsteen, Bon Jovi, U two, like those are those are all acts that I think make a lot of sense. And because it's Notre Dame Stadium, mm-hmm. I think you would have because I. From what I hear, like at least the first time anyway, a lot of people like flew in from different parts of the country because it was Garth Brooks at Notre Dame Stadium. You know, this, right. you know, it's but I so I think that like Bon Jovi, Springsteen, U2, you'd have a lot of those kind of people who would make the trek out here kind of like a football game just because it's like, oh, I, I've never seen Spring. I, I've seen Springsteen 10 times, but I've never seen him at Notre Dame Stadium. You know, that kind of thing. You know, and then I'm going to go to like some. I mean, these are old stadium bands, but like. Journey. I went to one of their concerts that had at least 45,000 people. And it's like, well, if you keep getting, I think they could pull enough. And if you have an opening act or a double header, like a Def Leppard and Journey, they could do it, I think. So when you're talking about a single act, that's right. different. And that's like, I was talking about like, like, obviously Taylor, I love Journey. Like Taylor Swift. Could right. She that that, and that name was going to be what I brought up next. Yeah. She could. And she's got the connection but there could, as well. She could, but the crowd is going to be all the students. So you have to do that one during the, you know, school year, which that stadium is meant for concerts in the summer. But you I could think. do it this time of year, right? Because finals just ended. They might, maybe, yeah. And then you can bring the parents in too because they're going to pick up their kids, maybe, or move out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
But then do you get as much money from that? I don't know. Ed Sheeran? Could oh, he? I hate Ed Sheeran. Do not. Well, I'm not an Ed Sheeran like Somebody fan. broke, somebody broke Ed Sheeran's heart once, and he has several songs about being heartbroken, and I don't get him. Oh, and Taylor Swift didn't? I mean, that's like every Taylor Swift song. Just what you... <laughs> Just what you said right there. Who ticked off Taylor Swift? Who broke her heart? That's, you know, like every Taylor Swift song in a nutshell. Yeah, but all of hers don't sound the exact same like it. And, oh, um, yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you talk about contemporary artists, like I, Coldplay is one that yeah. personally is on my bucket list. So, could, like, I would like to see them come here. Could they? Are they big enough to fill it, though? Or would they, they would have been in the opening mid, act? Like, I think they would have been in the mid-2000s. But then, like, who do you pair them with? And, like, right. Do you pair them with someone that's a little bit different so you can get both crowds and try and sell it? Mm-hmm. Or do you, because if, if your goal is only 45, 50,000 for like what I think Billy Joel's going to be, that changes it too. Because the 80 to 100 is a lot, but 40 to 50 for some of these big acts. Yeah. But then do any of these big acts really want to come to Notre Dame? So who would you like to see? Like uh, who, uh, who would be the top of the list of, of again, meeting all the criteria? Who would it be for you? I, obviously, it's Bon Jovi at this point. Okay. I, I don't understand why he's not done it already. Yeah, it's baffling. And he would have the whole stage. Like, he would have the Garth setup, not the Billy Joel setup, you I would believe. You think so. And, like, if you can throw someone Because that's, with like, my, my age demographic, you know, like, well, he was obviously huge in the 80s, you know, so I, and it, but, I, but I think that he still would get, you know, enough of a, not young crowd, but, it, you know, oh, at yeah, least, yeah. like, in their 30s crowd probably, the, too. The only other name that comes to mind just because of multiple generations is what you're saying would be like a Jimmy Buffett. I don't think he I don't could, think he could I don't think he could fill a place like that. He could though. do the Billy Joel setup. I saw Jimmy Buffett in nineteen ninety seven, summer of ninety seven in Kansas See, City, and it was a very small venue. It was a full venue, but it was a small right. outdoor venue. I just heard that he brings generations of people I've never seen and have no interest. <laughs> and then, I don't know, the other ones out there are probably country acts because, yeah. like, Kenny Chesney would be one. Yeah, that's one I saw today, Kenny Chesney. He could, and, like, is, you know, again, you know if he like, brings them Peyton Manning around because they're good buddies or I'm just Brad Paisley to open, you could get a good country show. Want something besides country. I want know. something besides country. Well, put Journey in there. Let's see what happens. <laughs> don't stop believing, Bobby. We'll yeah. take a time out. Any way you want it, you can. <laughs> Rapid fire is next. Don't make us go our separate ways. Well, let's turn. Who wants to have some fun? Rapid fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Bobby Hensley, it's Rapid Fire. We'll probably get about three topics in. We'll have to wrap this up. So All right. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> you like to talk a lot, not me. Uh huh. Fill in the blank. NBC debuted its new Sunday morning baseball game of the week yesterday. It aired on the network, Channel 16 here in town, as well as the Peacock app's premium streaming service. But the rest of the games are only going to be, the rest of the season, the other 17 games they're doing, they're only going to be on the Peacock app, and not just on the Peacock app but the premium subscription service. That's blank. I think that's kind of bogus because how many people will watch a baseball game that's not their team? Exactly. Like you're, Who, who are you going to get right. to pay for that service that it's not their team? I can't. Because like, I love baseball all the way through. Me too. If it's not one of the big matchups like Dodgers versus Yankees or like, I don't know, 
I'm not going to want to watch it anyway. I'll just look at the stats later, follow the standings throughout the year. But if it's not my team, I'm not going to watch. And then even more, if it is my team, I'm going to watch them and not your Peacock game. And it's a regular season game. There's 162 162 options. games. To watch them. So is that game on a random Sunday morning going to get me, you know, so fired up that I've got to pay for the subscription, even if it is five or six bucks a month or whatever. Like me personally, I've got my cable. So I have access to Cubs and White Sox games. He, you know, like if I want to watch mm-hmm. Cubs or White Sox, obviously I'm not a, a you know fan of either team. But right. but my point is I'm already paying for that. And I pay for the MLB Extra Innings subscription so that I can get the, any game. Right. I can get any game. So I have access to any game that I want. So now I'm paying for my cable. I'm paying for my Extra Innings package to watch more. And now... You also want me to one day a week, or not one day a week, but you know for that game. If I want to watch that game, That's, now yeah. I've got to pay for the for the Peacock premium subscription as well. It's just it's not happening, and I don't I don't know who they think they're going to draw in by doing that because they again they put it on the network for free yesterday, but at the same you know NBC and, network, not right. the Peacock network, yeah NBC. My eye keeps well, itching. You're right. My, but my point is, I didn't realize it was on NBC until after the game had started. I went to the Peacock app first and, you know, was going to – I just I just basically wanted to see what the broadcast was all about, hear the broadcasters do that kind of thing, right? Uh, because it was White Sox and Red Sox yesterday. Again, you know, not a fan of either team particularly. But – so I go there, go to Peacock. If you want to watch it, You've got to go to the. You've got to have the premium subscription to watch a major league baseball game. You would have thought that since they were giving it away on NBC, you know, regular over the air network, that at least yesterday it would have been for free in the Peacock app to get you there, right? And then, but I just, I, I don't, I don't understand what their whole model is. What you know, what what they think they're going to accomplish, what baseball thinks they're going to. Just, it's just another example of how. Baseball continues to find ways to tick off their fans. And there's a bigger picture here. I think the person that thought from Peacock that, hey, we're going to get all these baseball fans that want to watch the game on a Sunday because the only allure to it is that it's early. How yeah. many people want to watch early Be- baseball? Before any of the other games, yeah. You know, especially towards the end of the year, you got other stuff to do on mm-hmm. Saturdays over the summer, especially. So you're, it's not appointment viewing. Right. And it's not even like, it's not great matchups because baseball, every matchup you see throughout the year. So right. it's not like a special, like if it was the uh, game in Iowa last year, Feel the Dreams game. Right. That might be something that might would be, pull you over there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least for a month to buy that four ninety nine, five ninety nine subscription. But on but on but top of all this, Apple that, is doing say, games Friday night that aren't behind the paywall. And these people are I think the people that are that are thinking this are the kind of people that rather have a meeting than just an email that could take care of a situation. <laughs> they're right. just they're, they're thinking like, Oh, we're gonna get baseball subscriptions. No, you're not. Because nobody cares about missing one game of their team. Exactly. No one. Now, exactly. if you're watching it because you already have the office, maybe you'll plug into your your game if it's your team. But nobody really wants to see the Diamondbacks play the Rockies at 11. Well, it wouldn't be them because they'd well, win. But at 1130 in the morning, and they're not going to pay to do it. How? Well, even if it was during the week, 
and it was a, a matchup. How off would you be paying five to six bucks for one game just right. to watch it? It is so different than football, for example, because like this is going to happen during the football season with, with a, Amazon with the Thursday night on Amazon. They're going to have the Thursday night package, but football and baseball are so different because the data points are right. less for football. Well, yeah, you have seventeen games in a football season. One, two. The NFL is the most popular sport in America. You know, just look at the ratings if if you want stupid any evidence. Stupid, it's amazing. But your team is only going to play one game on Amazon. So you pay the subscription fee, six bucks to get that one game and then you cancel. It's you're just you're much more likely to do that for a football game than you are for one out of 162 baseball games. And I hate to say this, but there's so many ways to get illegal streams that if you really <laughs> cared about baseball that much... You could find it if you wanted to. Yeah, and you wouldn't pay for just one game. You'd be like, oh, this is the one game for the whole year right. that I have to pay for. Yeah. Either one, I'll skip it, follow it online, or find an illegal stream. Yeah. Um. As to the broadcast itself, White Sox announcer Jason Benetti is the play-by-play man for these uh, Peacock broadcasts. Each week, he's joined by an analyst from each of the teams playing in that week's game. So like yesterday, he had his regular partner Steve Stone, and he had uh, Kevin Euclid from the Red Sox in the broadcast. So, also a White Sox player. So yeah, that's, the end that's of the true. Career. So each week he's going to have, you know, it's going to be the right. analyst from from each uh, team's, you know, in, in the booth. He's going to have a different analyst, different set of analysts every week. Do you buy or sell that idea? Buy it. I love it. And that's kind of maybe what makes it almost an intriguing broadcast. Because you have to find a way, like we're talking about, do I want to watch my team? Because the general baseball fan doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. How can you make it appealing or what is something? And I think having a person from each team is awesome. You get to see how they mix together. That part was kind of intriguing. And Benetti himself, I think, is wonderful. Um, he's more of a younger guy. He, he You seem to think a lot of things are wonderful today. He, <laughs> Not you. There we go. Back to the negativity. But I'm still, I'm, I, I still know my place. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even when I'm in a good mood, still not you. That's right. So, but but Nettie's good on Twitter, and he makes it interesting to watch. And the, I think the appeal to the game, I don't I don't know how you market it because I don't know if you can. They were pumping a lot of odds into stuff, like odds to get on base, odds for a hit, odds for a run, and that's the gambling side of it. Save, save that for a second because yep. that that conversation's coming up here. All right, in but a I love the booth idea of having. We talked about this about something else. I don't even remember what sport or what. But just to have a guy from each team mm-hmm. with a neutral, well, neutral-ish player or uh, announcer, I think is a wonderful thing. And then um, during the Peacock game, there was an injury to the umpire, and they had Verdugo in the outfield that was mic'd up, and they did like a 15-minute interview with him. Right. And that was actually better, more entertaining than a lot of the other stuff, Euclid, Stone, and Benetti interviewing him. Have you... Let's just kind of slip right in there because I love the idea of this as well. And it yeah. was like, especially from, but like the, the, like when you think about it, I was, I was kind of wondering because they chose to, you know, Benetti is the White Sox play-by-play guy. They chose White Sox, Red Sox as their first broadcast. Was that a good idea or should they have done a, mm-hmm. you know, like two teams not named the White Sox first, you know, to they kind should. of introduce this idea. But I did... 
I that was the like I said that was the main reason that I wanted to watch this on Peacock anyway just to kind of see what they were doing hear the broadcast see what it was all about I really like this having you know both you got great insights yep. from 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 both sides because usually when you watch a national broadcast you're you know like if John Smoltz for example MLB Network Fox he's obviously not attached you know. I think he does a you know generally sure. a good job. It's, fu- it's but, so but watchable. there are always insights that the national analyst is going to miss that the local guys are going to have much better perspectives on because they're around the team all the time. And now you got it from both sides. And I thought it was great. I thought they interacted. You know, obviously Stone and Benetti are going to interact well. But like you never would have known that Euclid had not worked with those guys before. I thought they did a great job of mixing it all up. Now, again, it's going to be different from week to week because he's always going to have different analysts, mm-hmm. but I love the idea of doing this. It, you know, and it sucks, too, because, like, you have a 11:30 first pitch game, and then if you have a team that's not playing in that, your team plays at 1 or 2 in the afternoon, depending on the time zone, and then the late game is the national game. There's mm-hmm. no one that wants to watch a game that early. If you Like, just watch the free ESPN game if you care about baseball. Right. But I think – what they did with the announcing booth was pretty entertaining. And I like even the way Benetti, I really do enjoy the way he does everything. He works hard. You can tell he does his research. Yeah. And he, w- he would send it up to Euclid. And he's like, well, Euclid, what, what do we need to know about this pitcher as he comes in the game? And let Euclid have the stage. And then he'd bring in Stone. He did a masterful job. Now, part of it's that he knows Stone, you know, so well. And they almost had to include Euclid. But if that had been like a Yankees Red Sox first game, then you might get subscriptions. Well, maybe that's what they're saving for later. But then you might get because people want to see Yankees and Red Sox. Yeah. And you could have, I don't know who, Michael Kay. I don't know who. And Euclid. I don't know who they would have. But And then what that fierce, Well, Michael Kay is the play-by-play guy, so I okay. doubt they're going to get him. But. but the fierce rivalry between those two teams, even getting something that's not a homer game for, for the so- both Sox, but right. um, the White Sox, and then... I think they would have done much better serve to be like, wow, here's a game. And that was kind of intriguing. Coming up, if you pay, we're going to have this matchup. And then that would be even more of a reason to maybe subscribe to see who they bring from each team to see what kind of environment. Because if it was two scrub teams, I still think it'd be entertaining. And then then you look at the matchups you have to pay to see. And it's like, well, maybe I would want to hear that booth or that 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 coverage. Yeah. Yeah. It's You know, I, I thought it was a very. Very unique spin. Um, the Apple TV broadcast. Have you seen much of those yeah. so far? Yeah. This um, I, I like because they have one. They they do two games every Friday night, and w- the second crew. I, I'm not sure all the people. Katie Nolan is one of the people in there. Um, the guy I think was, I think he was part. The guy who was doing the play by play, who does the play by play for the West Coast games. I think he was doing like some USFL stuff for NBC yesterday. But in any case, I like that crew better than the other crew. The main that crew. Does, yeah, that, that does, you know, I guess more like the, you know, Eastern time zone games or whatever. They do the earlier one, the 7 o'clock game yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm I, the the Benetti, with, you know, with the mixed analysts, I, I feel like is much better than that. I think there's just still too much going on. You know, with that other Apple crew on Friday. The thing I'll say again, I'll be positive. The Apple people, I don't enjoy their coverage. I really don't. I yeah. went, there was a Sox game, and then I put it on last Friday because every other game was rained out, mm-hmm. and they just they benefited from that. Right. But they just they're trying too hard to be different, which I appreciate. Yeah. 
because okay, if you do the same thing, who's going to subscribe to Apple TV right. to watch Friday Night Baseball? So they're trying to be different. But do you want people to keep coming back? Because I don't think they're giving people a reason to come back. You don't and get if you're a casual fan. And, and that's what I'm saying. I yeah. I get. The, I'm appreciate appreciating that they're trying, but I, it's it's a tough watch. And it seems like because they they don't follow the teams. They get one interview right before the game with the people, and then they're like. Well, I think that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's you just talked to them 10 minutes ago. It's not like you've been watching him or following them to know that guy had a hot start and now he's in a slump. You just thought he hasn't been playing well this year. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm just – I'm not in on it. Um, but we're going to take a timeout specific to analytics, something else that's come up in the Apple broadcasts and uh, one of the Apple – broadcasters that I want to uh, to float your way since, you know, again, we're both into baseball. So we'll do that when we return. Budweiser's weekday sports beat and rapid fire continues next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Is this who you want for uh, Notre Dame Stadium yeah, concert? Bring, bring new kids on the block, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Bring them all in. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that new kids... They're selling tickets. That's right. They're on that. It's like that. What are they calling it? I don't know. Like the 90s tour. Throwback tour. 90s. Salt and Papa. Yeah. Maybe in sync. You know, bring Justin Timberlake in. Maybe he could sell some tickets. Sure. Why not? He's Bobby Hensley. I'm Sean Styers. We've got time for another question or two. Um, We were just talking about Apple TV's Friday broadcast. Katie Nolan is uh, one of the people in the uh the apple tv booth again she does the late games they're like the west coast crew she's one of the analysts for apple and in reference to analytics she was talking on a podcast recently and nolan says that sports should be more recess but a lot of people are making it homework by bombarding us with too much data do you buy or sell that i think this is why you're feeding it to to right now it's like i think i sell it you don't think there's too much data there might be, but too much technical talk. The way the world has gone in terms of online gambling, people like you can bet on the next pitch to be a ball or a strike. So if you get more analytics, more information, you might feel more inclined to bet, or you feel comfortable, or you want to try. So I feel like the casual baseball fan kind of likes seeing all the numbers because then they can make their bets against this or know, oh, this guy hasn't batted this well against him. I'm going to probably bet on the pit. You know, I just think there's more gambling that as a viewer that's casually watching the game, I can see her point. But I just feel like baseball has gained more fans by the online gambling. Well, the gambling aspect, I guess, is one thing because they do have like, you know, like what is it? The, the, the odds to get on base, you know, percent mm-hmm. to get on base and percent to get a hit and all that. I guess, you know, that's one thing. But they've already had that, though, in terms of when they show the batting average. When right. they get in the box, like 25% to get a hit. Well, that's one out of four. That's 250. Right. And, it, and it's not just that. It's just you know, we're being – now, again, I, I as someone who – who likes baseball and follows baseball and, you know, used to do, you know, college baseball on the radio. Like, it's funny because, like, I was listening to some of those and I remember, you know, and this has been 20 years ago, which is basically in in baseball terms, it's a lifetime ago when you think about where the game is now compared to then. Because I remember when, 
You know, the 2002 season, Notre Dame's College World Series season, Steve Stanley, Brian Stavisky, both drafted by the Oakland A's, both mentioned in the Moneyball book, you know, that obviously became the. Now, they weren't mentioned in the movie, but they were mentioned in the Moneyball book. And, you know, all of that was kind of the origin of, you know, where this modern day analytics has come from. But, like, even back then, like, I remember. A year or two after that, when the sports information director over there started talking about OPS, you know, yeah. on ba- it's like OPS now you say that, and it's pretty much a common term in baseball. But back then, it was, you know, on-base percentage plus slugging percentage, OPS. And I remember, like, sort of trying to explain it and even say it during the broadcasts, and it was just so different than the vernacular that we had been using forever. And so everything has changed. And now, you know, you've, you know, you've got RCW plus and, you know, all these war. different. There's Even just, war. There yeah. was no war back there. Right. And like the average fan, do they really, you know, maybe, maybe now more fans know what war is. Wins above replacement. replacement. But yeah. like even then, you know, like wins above replacement doesn't, doesn't mean completely explain because it's, it's wins it's above the you know like the average player in the league that would replace that player if he were out of the lineup. Most I think a lot of people think it's like literally the guy sitting on the bench who comes in to replace him. That's not what it is, you know. So it's so, like it's like there's so many different things along those lines that have to be you know like the gambling aspect is one thing, but there's just so much that we're getting hit over the head with. We just want to enjoy baseball, but there's so many, and it's like every time you turn around. You know, like, especially if you watch MLB Network, you know, there's like a new term, a new statistic, a new data point that's being introduced, you know? Yeah, and I I see where you're coming from. I just think there's so many casual viewers that would rather watch a game because, well, I'm at a bar, it's the seventh inning, let me throw a bet on a game. Yeah, see, like, if you're in a bar where you can't hear the sound and you see that kind of thing, like, Odds so, to get a hit. It's like, that might be interesting to you. So I completely agree with, with that or or feel that way for the betters but i kind of feel like if you're if you the otherwise if you're a casual fan that doesn't gamble no then i agree with you i just think there's more casual people that are gambling but otherwise you're following equations and not the game right that means you're into math that means you're not into baseball <laughs> so no that from that perspective i understand completely being like no it's it's way too much cuz who cares about what the average of your your um, position is and what your replacement is over that or whatever. I nobody cares. I'm like the guy batting 091 could hit a home run to win the game, and that's what makes be- baseball beautiful and amazing. Is on any day you can see something in the ballpark that you didn't expect that is not a statistic. The statistics can get you into the realm of what you think you can expect to happen, mm-hmm. and that guy could be batting 900 and have a three strikeout performance and go 0 for three. Like so, none of it really matters when you talk about those equations for a fan. Now, if you're building your team that way, or that's how the A's were exactly. Different. But then, then just hi- hire math, a math nerd and not right. follow baseball. That's exactly it. Like we don't, you know, it's it's one thing that the Yale grads are the ones running the game now, and that's I guess fine. But we shouldn't have to be math majors to understand what we're talking about just to discuss a baseball game. And it seems like you know, again, kind of. I think that's kind of more. Her point is like there's just it, we're, we're just overwhelmed with this stuff sometimes it's it's like it's 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 become it's not even baseball it's just you know just what you were 
kind of outlining right there. It's about who's the math major in the room who can understand all this stuff. But even that doesn't matter. Because, like, what does age factor in? Does this guy on day games after 2 p.m. before <laughs> right. 3 p.m. factor in? Like, who knows? Because at any at-bat, anything can happen. Right. All right, Bobby. Uh, good to talk to you. The sun, the sun has brought out your your energy. I will uh, talk to you Thursday. It's finally summer. That's right, baby. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this buds for you. Tim Grau, State Farm Insurance, save money on home and auto insurance with Tim, serving both Indiana and Michigan. Call 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawak and Granger, serving Michigan's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. We'll talk to you tomorrow night right here. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 